Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello and welcome to the Alchemy of Business show. We are so thrilled that you are here, whether you are watching this or you're listening to this. I'm not sure how you got here, but thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We have a very deep, intense, powerful show for you today. I'm just so honored to have this guest that I recently met through some of the work that he does. I'm going to explain that throughout the show. But we have a gentleman here who really has put his heart and his sleeve of work into the world, meaning his heart on his sleeve, extending his talents and skills into something that's a very, very important topic about following your craft, your art, your gifts, and also carrying a message with some of the issues that we have in our lives with challenges, whether they be mental, physical, spiritual, whatever it might be. He's got a message today that probably affects you or someone in your family that you love. And so our gentleman that is with us today is across the world. Uh, his name is Mr. P.T. Byers. He's an actor, a podcaster, and a creator. He also does some music. I've seen him play a few uh, stuff on social media. But he's a South African actor, and he's a filmmaker. He's been in many, many local TV shows there, and soapies as they call him. And he's made his debut role in Dr. Dion's Dr. Dion Visser, which is KickNet, is their major network there. And he's been in a show called Binylanders. I think he's going to correct me on that because I some of these words I will be getting wrong, audience, because I, I uh, have not gotten all these dialects or words down yet. But in 2016, he also made his film acting debut in Seton Smith's romantic comedy and film, which was in English, she sounds like spring. I'm going to have him give me the African uh, wording of that. Uh, but he was a mechanic working in a car dealership in Johannesburg. And Linda, his love interest, a beautiful and bra uh, brainy redhead, was the, his, uh, his co-actress there. He inspired uh, his own life by inspiring himself to do work. And what I mean by that is he took his challenges and overcame and working his life of how to live with his own uh, challenges with OCD and some anxiety that came from that in, in the mental health space. All of us can relate to stress and mental health and issues that kind of pile up. Well, it inspired him so much that he wrote a film and starred in it. Uh, and Skemerson, uh, which is also in US uh, titled Sun Cry Moon, caught my attention a few weeks ago. And I decided to watch this on Netflix. And I was so inspired by this film that he acted in that I was just, I was actually blown away. I was really moved by it. And I reached out to him on Instagram and said, wow, your work is amazing. Didn't know if we'd connect or not. But we connected, and here he is on my show. He continues to uh, do his acting work and his uh, work here around mental health. Uh, he does live in South Africa, and he also now runs his own podcast show. And that show is called Sola Paimar. Uh, he's going to correct me on that, too. So without further ado, but I, he, he was well due a very good introduction. So uh, P.T. Byers, uh, jump, come join us on the show. Steve and... Uh your entire audience i feel so honored to be here um it's lovely meeting you in person even though it's overseas and you know in digital form it's lovely to uh put a face to the kind words and the sort of generosity we shared over our dms on instagram uh i feel very honored to be here and uh, as a south african i'm proud i'm proud of the movie and thrilled to be on your awesome show so thanks for having me well, thank you, PT. Well, let's clean up some of my butchering of your language of these wonderful shows and films you've been in. So help, help me clean up for the audience. Give us a little bit of your own perspective of who is PT and what were some of these shows that you've been in that have led you on your acting career that were in your bio. And then I want to talk about some of the other projects you have going on throughout the show. But let's clean up what I butchered first. No, I think you did. A, I think you I think your attempts were great, actually. So the language that um, most of these are in is uh, Afrikaans. Uh, so South Africa has 11 official languages. Um, Afrikaans was, is my mother tongue. English, I was in an English pre-primary school. Um, so I'm pretty, uh, um, what's the word? Bilingual. Uh, and then Zulu is, a, is actually the, high, the number one um, most spoken language in South Africa. 
Um, and I've recently, like about three, four years ago, I started learning Zulu. So the Afrikaans words you were looking for, which you actually did quite well, the, the Afrikaans translation for uh, she sounds like spring is Seiklinksus Lente. Uh, then the other, the medical drama is Binnenlanders. Um, and the other one, I think you did so well, didn't even... I didn't, it didn't even, I didn't notice it. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's talk about how did you end up being a actor and now a producer and a writer? And uh, apparently in your work that I've been looking at here, you do have this ability to do comedy, romantic comedy. You've done this deep, deep film we're going to be talking about. Um, and you also have been on soaps. So obviously you have this ability that you were able to have a versatility in your acting career to date. And I'm sure there's way more you want to do that we're going to talk about, but how did that become your, this is my stake in the ground right now of what I'm going to do with my life. Uh, so let's talk about how that journey got started. Yeah, well, Steve, firstly, I, did, I, yeah, I really appreciate all the, the back end research you guys have done. It's amazing. Um, so very honoring. So um, my mom's actually an actress in South Africa um and it was you know there's that thing about like oh it's who you know look my mom could never she she could maybe get me into a room but she'll never be able to get me a job so you know you can someone can help you get into a room but if you're not the right person for the job you'll not they, they won't hire you so i had to forge my own path but having said that my, so my dad comes from a business background he was in marketing for big companies all, all, all his life my mom was into acting and we used to often have actors over at our house so I got used to that sort of creative, spontaneous, talking about emotions, working with emotions kind of space. So that sort of came natural to me. At high school, um, I think I, you know, I was a, I enjoyed a bit of sport, enjoyed a bit of academics. Well, enjoyed a bit of just not doing academics and just hanging out with my friends too much. Um, but then this play came about, and it was a comedy. So that my first. Uh, I auditioned for it. I was lucky enough to get a part. So my first real taste of it was in comedy. Um, I used to, The Truman Show with Jim Carrey is one oh, of yeah. my favorite. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. And um, I, I, so I, I, the moment this sort of, you know, the typical cliche of the the bug that that bites you. I did a theater show, and that sort of feeling of being so alive on stage and almost escaping my own high school insecurities for a while was very refreshing and um yeah that's where it started i fell in love with that and i kind of it was kind of a it was a it was it was almost subconsciously so compelling that i well actually like i kind of didn't do enough of my maths homework anymore because i think i knew the path that i was on Mm -hmm. Yeah, you knew. Well, and, and some people are lucky enough to know that early in their life that they go, this is something that grabbed me. It's I'm passionate about it. And, you know, much of success is having that burning desire for something greater than yourself, something higher good that you feel you're even called to. Because then they say, if you can find something you love, you know, you never work a day in your life. It, it does. You have to put in the effort, but it's something that is fueling you. So you've obviously been lucky enough to find that. So I applaud you in that. And I did not mention your mom early in the bio or anything because I know how sometimes that is about being in the in the shadow of that. So let's give your mom a shout out. Just since you brought it up, I wanted to make let, let people know who your mom is, and I know she's uh, done very well in that field as well in in her country too. Well, she'll well, I'll send her on this this podcast. She's going to feel so she's going to be elated to know that she's on the alchemy of business. So, uh, Susan Bayesh, Mama, Moses Lifio, is a legend. I was just telling her that we love her. She's a legend. Happy to also have her here in spirit, Steve. Well, that's wonderful. Well, always got to give mom a shout out. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about this acting thing. You mentioned your dad being a businessman, and you mentioned, obviously, you around the craft and skill from a young age. And I was noticing on one of the shows that I did observe on a podcast, you were on, you were talking about... Um, even during COVID, um, how that affected the film industry, how that affects looking for jobs, um, taking risk and going from one show to the other and figuring out, you know, are you on one season? Or are you on three seasons? And so it got me to thinking as much as people realize that being in music or acting or in filmmaking seems like so glamorous and so cool. And like, you know, once you're in it, you, you're, you've got your foot in the door, boom, it's like this. And you were pointing out on this podcast, it's hard work. Uh, 
dressing up, showing up, prospecting. So it made me think and realize again that entertainment and using uh, art as a craft to move people still has a very much business side, specifically for producers, for people that have to get uh, funding as you did for your film we're gonna talk about. But how did you learn to adapt the understanding of business from an acting side into your crafts to be able to make a living as an actor? So can you talk to me how you merge being an artist in with yeah. the business side of making this your craft and how you make a living? That's a great question and obviously very appropriate on this podcast. Um, that's That took some time. Um, in retrospect, I wish I did a bit more of my maths homework because, you know, the there's a, I recently heard someone saying it's called show business for a reason, reason, you know, and uh, business is 50% of that, of, of that phrase. Um, I think I started like bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, uh, hopeless romantic artist. You start with those dreams and then quite, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time for you to be hit by realities like I need to pay my debit orders. I need to pay whatever, you know? And then it's then there's like, oh, okay, there's a job part to this. And it's not just it's not just romanticism. And um, I think it's a very healthy realization. Um, we do live in a monetary world as well. And um, I I think it's it, it's taken some time. Um, I've learned from other producers. I've I'm lucky enough to have friends in different fields. I've got a friend who is friends who are in finance, you know, in law, in wherever. So I try and almost like there's this book, Steal as an Artist, Steal Like an Artist. But I kind of try and learn everywhere I go, you know. Um, and and the, and the business part is something that, Steve, really, I, I, I listen to podcasts like yours. I listen to different podcasts. I read up. This is still something I'm learning. So um, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Got it. Well, I want to jump into some of the, the film stuff that you, that the reason I connect in just a minute, but I, staying on that tune on a minute on the business side. So the glamour side or the passion project of the art and then the business side, it's a process. And I think whether you're an entrepreneur starting out in business or you're working as an employee in a company, there's always this, you know, this glamour of the new job, the new exciting, shiny thing. And then when we're in it, the reality of the world strikes in. And then we have to realize it becomes routine to a degree and it has to have processes to it. And you've continued to do that. But from other actors who view you from outside world looking in, you've had some good breaks that you have created for yourself because you were good at what you did. So you've had some you know, TV shows, you now have a movie, you've had comedy mm -hmm. stuff. So what were, if, if we could take uh, the highs and lows for a minute wow. of the career itself, what, when you think about, I've made it, like, was there a day you were walking on a red yes. carpet and then yes. a day that you were so low, I want the other yes. side, that you're like, why am I in this business? I'm get, I'm going to go become a, <laughs> sell uh, shells on the beach, you know, whatever. Yes. So give me a high and a low of your career right now. And we're going to jump into some stuff after that. Steve, there's been glorious highs and even more disastrous lows. And I'll give you them. I'll give you the, the highlights package. So it's, I think it's something that I'd just like to mention uh, to you and your uh, the listeners as well, just as an aside, which is interesting. Well, it's obviously goes with the territory is Hollywood and the States movie business is massive. You know, it's huge. We've been I've been watching American movies since I can remember. So South Africa is a small industry. But within South Africa, there's obviously a market. So being an actor in South Africa, the business side, we're not talking billions of dollar budgets or millions of dollar budgets even. So you've got to you've got to be smart. You've got to learn the business side pretty smart to 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 make ends meet. But the the first high was probably the show you mentioned earlier, Binnelanders, which is like a medical drama. It's it's similar to something like a Grey's Anatomy. Um, and I played a young doctor on the show. When I got that break, that was like for me, that felt like you know a young actor getting a, getting a part on, um, let's say, a Grey's Anatomy. Of course, Grey's Anatomy's scope is much bigger, scales much bigger, but that felt like that. And that, so that was a high. I thought I've finally made it. Everything's going to be beautiful, amazing. I actually had two dreams, two sort of dreams I wanted to manifest. To sound a bit esoteric for a moment, but the one was getting a job on Benelanders, and the other one was. Finding my, which is now my fiance, getting together with her. Um, she was like this person on the, my horizon that I just adored and 
I was enamored by her. Um, and then a year later, my contract finished, which I which took me by surprise at Binnenlanders. Um, they kind of had me on the list of people that they going to renew. And then I think I felt a bit blindsided. I don't think they did anything wrong at all. But I didn't expect them to stop my contract there. And then that took me, I have to be honest with you, that took me on quite a deep journey. I think it, I think it, I've, it felt like it felt like a being dumped. It felt like a big rejection, like a professional rejection, and felt like a failure. Even though they didn't see it like that, actors come and go on shows all the right. time. Right. But for right. me, it, it it had that feeling to it, and I, and that interestingly enough, that was I even moved up to Johannesburg from Cape Town for that, and that my 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 girlfriend at the time, now my fiance, she moved up. Um, she's a doctor. She started working here in Johannesburg. And then my OCD actually just to tie into the schema song that we're going to get to now, Sun Cry Moon, is my OCD has always been there since like grade nine, which I think is like junior year in uh, in in the in the states. Um, has, my OCD has been lingering around all my life, but after this rege professional rejection, spending too much time on my own before I got the next job, you know. The, the the mind can be a dangerous neighborhood if you spend you know spend up too much time in there yes, unproductively yes. and uh, yeah one thing led to another but so there were some glamorous highs and even worse lows and when your uh, fiance then girlfriend being a doctor did she give you tips for your show since you were playing a doctor there was actually <laughs> there, yes great question there was a there was a story I should have actually had it here it's somewhere here in my room that actually has an article that says uh, PT and Annika plays Doctor Doctor, and Doctor. <laughs> anyways, we won't go into that. But yes, she actually did. There was like she showed me how to like you know, an actor with an injection in your hand is actually quite a clumsy thing if you're me at least. So she gave me some tips. Well, that's the art of being an actor. You have to make it look like you could really use that sure. needle or cut somebody open. I'm always fascinated by that. Yes. Well, well, let's jump into that uh, that topic of you mentioned OCD. Um, and you were mentioning this, I noticed also in some of your interviews, you talked about, about being in uh, high school and feeling kind of awkward at times and like trying to be the cool kid and trying to fit in. And what was your image you were trying to put out? And I think all of us, if we can remember back when we were in high school or even in today's world and society, when you dress up and show up and go into the workplace uh, or you're going into the world to try and be who you are, we all to a degree as human beings have some type of our own acting that we do to survive yeah. or live in the world. And all people have some kind of mask that they put on through the world that eventually hopefully they can start stripping those away and just be more and more and more of who they really are. But it's not uncommon, but that does some cause sometimes stress and anxiety. Uh, and sometimes people do have even more depths of uh, chemical different imbalances in yeah. the brain where whether it's the you know, electric way the brain works or uh, issues with that. So when did you first know that for you as a teenager or a young man, that something just didn't feel right, that maybe other people weren't experiencing or you didn't think they were experiencing? How early on was that? Steve, you, it's, it's uh, well, I, I, I don't want to overshare, but I believe this is a safe space. And I'd like to, I think vulnerability is welcome here. And that's the kind of thing that makes people feel comforted. So yeah, please. I'll, I'll, yeah, great. I'll be very honest. Um, I had this weird, like, I remember, like, I'm talking like first seven years of my life, obsessing about the idea of that we have to die someday. And, you know, I think this is a typical fear that we all some are confronted with at some stage of, of our lives. But I obsessed about it at, at night, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep, because I would have this feeling that if I, I need to imagine what infinity feels like, so that I can now make peace with it while I'm on earth, so that I'm ready for it when I die one day. And I know that sounds like irrational to think of, but it is irrational. OCD is irrational, but still the feeling is real. So the conviction is in the feeling. Um, I then in in my high school years, early high school, I had a I had a I had a intimate experience with a girl. Um, and I, I think I, I think I was kind of pretending to be more advanced than I was, and I put a lot of pressure on myself, and I had a bit of a, I think I had a bit of anxiety attack because I sort of pretended to be something that I wasn't, and you know that typical sort of performance anxiety, blah 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 kind of thing, and um, and that struck a chord. You can think now, I mean, standards, you know, high school guy, trying to be cool 
you know, getting anxiety attack with a girl, like that's not very masculine. So, so that, and then I started obsessing about that and that, that really hit a nerve. And then like for years I would obsess, I would almost get like rituals, compul what they call compulsions, like rhymes, tell myself certain stuff to feel at peace. And I realized it had a very irrational quality to it. So I spoke to, I went to see a psychologist at some stage in high school. Luckily enough, my mom and them were open to it. I mean, I wasn't, I don't think at school, and this is often the sad and thing which is so important that we speak about it, because I think some people at school, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't advocate or we don't market our secrets. We are, we are, we are, you know, we are protective of our secrets. So I looked like a normal kid going about my thing. I might have been a bit, you know, maybe a bit arrogant or insecure or whatever. But as far as mental health goes, I don't think people would have questioned anything. He's a normal guy, whatever. But it's a, it's it's inside. That that thing never stops. Um, and then it, it grabbed onto different themes as my life went on. And it would, like, for years, hit me on some, some themes. Even just before we, we did this podcast, Steve, they were, they were like OCD things lingering, and I was considering, must I do a compulsion to just feel calm? And thankfully enough, I didn't do a compulsion. I've grown a lot. But yeah, I think all of us, I mean, next time we can we speak more about your life, but we all, as you said earlier so appropriately, we all have our challenges. Yes, we do. Well, and I, I thank you for being so real and, and honest about that. And I know in some of the, uh, the interviews you did, I knew that you were as well, but in the film, where it is partially autobiographical, has an autobiography format to it, because we're going to talk about, it really is, I mean, it, the reason I was so moved by the film that we're going to show a clip of here in a minute before we go to break, because we got a break in about three minutes, an audience will be coming back and having a lot more with PT, and we're we'll, uh, going to be making this a two-part series, because there's so much for us to cover. So awesome. we'll make sure that we're going to uh, be able to cover these topics that are so important to me, I have uh, in my own family, I have members of my family that have struggled with different issues of uh, challenges and mental state. Uh, yeah. And I've been uh, in my own life, I'm sure I've had different bouts of early on depression or various things that I've been lucky enough to overcome in different ways. Uh, but I wouldn't say that I fall into that category diagnosed wise. However, my son, mm -hmm. my wife, other people that I know are clearly have been in that category. And uh, I have done uh, counseling and therapy over the years because I believe in it for marriage, for relationship, et cetera. But everyone listening on the call here, I can imagine that either you, your spouse, your partner, your brother, your sister, your mother, somebody you know has been challenged with mental health issues um, that this show I, I know will help. So please listen in further on the show. But what we're going to do now is we're going to, uh, PT, if you're okay, I want to, before we go to the break, and I want to come back and pick up further on your topic here about going from a young man where you had this and it was inside your head and not a lot of people maybe knew about it, but you knew about it and you knowing about it affected decisions and choices you made and applauding you for reaching out to your parents and to get also help that someone who could help you through the therapy piece. And it doesn't go away. It just helps us to manage how to yeah. have our life form with that. So the film is like, Wow, it's like a brick upside the head of, of, of like power of seeing the realness of that come to life. Uh, so let's take um, and show uh, Sun Cry Moon here. And is it pronounced Skimmerson in Afrikaan? Yeah, that's very that's very well pronounced. Skimmerson, yeah. Skimmerson, okay. So Skimmerson, but in the U.S. where I saw it, it's Sun Cry Moon. So um, yes. our engineer here, Noel, is going to uh, show a clip, and we're hoping that the audio and uh, video work. If not. We will make sure it does. So uh, please <laughs> enjoy Sun Cry Moon Clip. Hello, Buddha. Um, I wonder if you guys are not private. Ik weet dat iemand gaan zien. Ik zo trots op jou. Zolang je niet je pillen drink, nee. Dat weet alsjeblieft als ik jou niet kan helpen. Wat die was jou? Dat weet niet iets. Ik worry oor jou. Als je niet binnen die volgende twee door iets laat weet niet, kom zoek ik jou. Ik ga niet om je vlieg hoe zeer dat ik moet. Onthou niet, je schuld is alleen hoor. Stop. Jesus war. Das Kind war Skoll. 
Skimmerson, Sun Cry Moon. I got goosebumps again watching just that small clip. And for those of you that weren't able to see some of these words, we're Hoping by now we have put those back in with over subtitles that you can uh, hear and read because that was an Afrikan. Uh, but the power of the music and the visuals that we were seeing here um, were just intense. So, uh, PT, can you give us a, a little description here of uh, if we were doing an elevator pitch on the subtitles of what this film is about from your perspective in you know, the, the short version, and then we're going to dig into the film. So if someone didn't get a chance to fully see this clip right here, tell us about Sun Cry Moon and uh, what the, the narrative is of it. So this is, it's, it's uh, inspired by true events. And it's uh, a man, bat a man in a dark place uh, while battling OCD, uh, but it can really be any form of mental health issues, um, who decides to take his own life and on his way to the bridge he meets the love of his life so you kind of yeah it's a it's he's on his way he's he's in a very bad place in a dark place with a certain plan and then a light or figuratively speaking is introduced to his life and yeah, the the subtitle, the the tagline is "It's okay not to be okay." Five years ago, six years ago, we thought of this, and re subsequently, I'm happy to see you know this is a kind of line that has been used in different places, and it's I think that's that's the moral of the story is that we often feel like weird, freakish, you know, odd individuals in our own minds, but we all feel like that. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to come back and talk about more about sun, cry, moon. We're going to talk about mental challenges and health issues that we all have in our life. And we're going to talk about it's okay to not be okay. Uh, and that to me sometimes is one of the most important lessons of life that are expected as part of the formula for life and part of any good script. You do not have a good script of any movie you can think of that doesn't have a challenge that needs to be overcome. Uh, so brilliant on this and brilliant taking your life in visual form here. And I want to talk about what it was like to have to raise money for a film, writing a film. The actors that you brought in were brilliant. So we're going to talk more about that after the break. So please come back and join us on The Alchemy of Business, talking about following your passion and finding out how it's okay to not be okay and still go on and do wonderful, great things in the world. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. We have guests on continually that talk about finding ways to be more productive in your life and whatever you're doing. Also, finding ways to be more abundant and creating more prosperity, but also ways to create wiser decisions. And the guest we have today, Mr. P.T. Byers, is really very interesting hitting all those check marks because he's productive in his own craft of being an actor and a writer. Uh, and he's creating abundance in his life of not only finding a way to make a living doing what he loves, but also finding ways to make more abundant good causes in the world and wiser decisions. As we've been talking about before the break, he's finding ways in his own life to make wiser decisions about his craft, his mental health, his life. So uh, PT, thanks for being so vulnerable and checking the boxes of why we're doing the show in, in general. So let's pick up where we left off. We showed a clip from your fil film, Skemerson. Um, Skimmerson, excuse me, Sun, Moon, Cry. And this film, as I was telling you before the break, really, really did touch me. I've, I've recommended it to my wife who's watched it. I've recommended it to my daughter. I've recommended it to friends. I think I did a post about it. Um, and it just, sometimes you see films or you hear a song or something and it just, you're like, I don't know why that grabbed me so deeply, mm -hmm. but this one did. Um, and so I, 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 when you were make, when you thought I'm gonna write a film, 
you've been in films, you've been an actor, you've read a lot of scripts, I'm sure. So tell me about how this came about that you felt bold enough, brave enough, vulnerable enough, and ready enough at this point in your life to write a film that was so personal and so raw and real. When did that start, that first thought? I appreciate that you say the word, use the word vulnerable, because that's the word that sort of propelled me into this journey as well. Um, my own battle with OCD, specifically at this time. So I did my my honors in creative writing, and my thesis was, well, I did it actually in drama, but I, I majored in creative writing, so to speak. So my thesis was in uh, in full, in, in, in screenwriting. So at the time, I've been acting. This is now about five years ago. And I've this was now after this Benelandus. If you've listened earlier, I went through a bit of a professional rejection or a disappointment. And uh, I was in a tough space myself mentally. And my OCD flared up. And um, I was posting some things on Facebook every now and again, as we do. You know, I would, I would, I, I, I am a, I would say someone that's, Wears my heart, my sleeve. Sometimes, almost too much, and uh, I would I would write every, something on Facebook every now and again, and I I would see the reaction I got on when I would share something about my health state, and it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily be something that is asking for attention. It would more just be like almost like a motivational message. But I think if you on the receiving end, if you read it, you can see that the person who's writing this might be going through some some challenging things and then i started getting messages direct messages on facebook of people that said like wow thank you for opening up about this i've got my own challenge and and i saw this appetite for honesty and vulnerability and sharing of things that we often hide because we feel ashamed and there's some stigma around weakness you know on uh, this sort of a thing about like being honest or being vulnerable is weak and uh, it was actually the, you know, the inverse was I found to be true that uh, it, it took a lot of courage to be vulnerable. <laughs> um, it's quite scary, actually, at times. So I was sitting there with this degree in screenwriting uh, or not screenwriting, but having had this, this, this sort of education. And I had this burning desire to share something that's might make these people that are reading my Facebook statuses on a bigger scale feel less alone. Because when I go through my OCD obsessions or compulsions, it's a deeply, deeply alienatingly lonely place. And we all know loneliness from different angles in different ways, shapes and forms. And um, it, 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 can, it just can be very disconcerting and horrible. And I've wanted to write a mood film. I know it wouldn't be something. And I'm so glad. Steve, I'm so appreciative of the things you said. Because as you said at the start of this podcast, we, we just br br breathed. And you said uh, we, you hope the, the, uh, the podcast lands with the intention that it's been given with. And same to this movie. You, the way you receive this movie, those emotions are the way that me, I was sitting there in our little flat here in Johannesburg, you know, very unglamorously sitting, typing away on some story that felt, feels so compelling and truthful and real and raw. And um, I'm so glad because the way you, you perceived it and received it is, um, you know, what I could, uh, what I've only could have wished for. Well, I, I thank you for that. And I do believe that we all get messages when we're ready for them, when we need them, and when the universe knows that's just at the moment. I could have skipped over that movie and kept scrolling through the, the TV and just missed it, maybe seen it at some other time. But that day, that night, and as I mentioned to you on Instagram, my uh, mother-in-law uh, had just been put in the hospice. Uh, and they didn't think she was going to pass or die, but it was pretty serious, and they were putting her in the hospice. And so when I reached out to you, this film is not when uh, viewers watch this film, and hopefully they will, because it's going to be impactful. It's not only about mental health and you, the character yourself, uh, con contemplating suicide, like to the little point of being on a bridge. But you have such beautiful other actresses, I want to talk about how you did your casting in that, who just by a sheer act of something, that day changed the trajectory of your decision. And I don't want to give the film away, but it's also a film about life and death and how yes. life and death is viewed and what our perspectives of our life and death. And so at that time when my mother-in-law, they were wondering, wow, she's gotten worse than we thought. Wow, she may not make it. 
uh, and she since has passed. She passed away on last Monday. Um, and my, you know, my wife's mother, and I've known her for th 35 years, so she's like a second mother to me. Uh, and so the processing of that in how I see all of our family processing their own grief right now at different levels in different ways. Uh, and that's why I've recommended the film to them to view because it's got so many messages, you know, messages of life, death, mental health, love, um, change, hope. Um, all of those things are in the film. So you got that on paper and you got it translated over into this film. And then it, you know, it, it comes to the point, okay, wow, I'm done. I think I've got a finished product. How long did it go from sit to write to finished product? How long was that process? Uh, faster than I think it usually takes. And that was probably because I had, uh, and, and, and Steve, excuse me if I'm sounding spiritually pretentious now, but it's, uh, it's, I did feel I can only equate it to what people say, you know, um, they were channeling or they were just, you know, there was, uh, they were called, felt called. I'm not, I, you know, I can't prove that. But what I can say is once I sat down, I was almost, almost, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was almost an abnormal determination and energy that I felt to finish the script to know to know exactly. I knew I wanted I knew I wanted this the 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 location, the most of the movie to be set at a in a in a in an area of South Africa. It's called the Titikama, which is absolutely beautiful to yeah, me. And that I grew so up tell me other yeah, the story is unbelievable. Videography is amazing. Absolutely, you know, this sort of almost violently beautiful images with a with a with a uh, with an ocean and this this sort of forest uh, um, and the and the yeah, it's just it's just incredible scenery, um, and so that up until when the movie actually came out in cinemas in South Africa, starting to write it was about I'd say the whole process was almost was maybe two years which is which for a movie is for a movie is quite short um from inception of the first word being typed on a screen i just yeah as i said i, I yeah this bridge this sorry, this bridge here so yes. this is in that that bridge is like so stunning had you been to this bridge before you filmed and you knew about it in a different way and that was why you wanted this and part of some of this we're talking about the similar the locations the feeling you had uh, and then I want to also talk about your image of your body. But this bridge that you're talking about, the locations, yes. is this that place you were talking about that you just mentioned? Absolutely. Okay. So this okay. this bridge uh, is a quite a famous bridge in South Africa um, on the Titikama it's, uh, uh, coast. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunately got a, uh, well, it's, it's spectacular visually. Um, it does have a history of people committing suicide there. Um, and it's also the, I think the highest bungee jump in Africa or something. So there's a, there's a, there's almost a haunting, it's almost, it's got a bit of a haunting reputation, but in both good and bad. Yes, um, yes, yes, so, yes. so, which yes. was a great representation of life because I saw that in the film, people will see that there were people there that were going to go bungee jumping, which is about thrill, excitement, wanting to feel more alive, more vibrant. And then boom, the other option, the other side of the coin as life is, or, uh, yin and yang, uh, the higher, the lower, the black and white, the, the other side is that bridge can be used to also take your life versus have yeah. your life thrilled. So it's a very like interesting image of what life choices are for us every day as human beings going on or not going on. Um, and then the starkness, as you said, about the coastline and the waves and the cliffs and the visual impact, uh, were powerful. So then you knew that you had this channeling and I, and, and don't be pretentious as all this, the show is about business, spirituality, higher purpose. Yeah. I even on some of my stuff call myself a spiritual business activist because I'm yeah. a big believer in tapping into this, this uh, channeling of higher energy that's higher consciousness, smarter than ourselves in many ways, but we tap into it because we're part of that. Um, yeah. And, you know, and in the Tao, the Chinese have talked about for thousands of years, your chi, your chi energy, yeah. tapping into the flow of chi. So I think in channeling that, um, anytime people do something that they know, wow, it just came out of me, a song, a music, an artwork, creating a company. To me, that's the, uh, having an aha moment. 
or an Iggy moment, or it's like God's way of saying hello. You know, when we yeah. step out of our own way and something comes through, God's saying, hello, here we are. Yeah. And you're letting me, you know, you know, he or she is letting you, let you letting you through. So I think that's that well that came through on the film and that's why probably it touched me. So then you get to the film, it's being made, and we're going to come back through the show and we're going to actually be doing a two-part series. So we're going to talk about the impact of the show, another segment, what the, what the impact of people that were touched by this from mental health, depression issues, possibly suicidal issues of how this has impacted people, because I know there are those. But I want to come back just for the moment on this segment and talk about you channeled this thing. You knew how to write it because you'd been versed in this craft. You knew there had to be a beginning, middle, and end. There had to be an arc. There had to be characters. There had to be conflict. There had to be you know, hero and villain, if you would. And in a sense, you were your own hero and villain at the same time. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the actresses in which you had in this uh, were brilliant. So how did you how did you converge? Because it's a very small cast, but yeah. a mighty one. So how did you then convince people to put themselves in a vulnerable way into this film? The the yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm so it's just so nice speaking to someone who 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 absorbed the film as it was intended. So I if I'm if I'm getting goosebumps or if I'm blushing, it's because it's because I think God might be saying hello. Um, so, so um, I'm very sad to hear about, and I'm, my condolences to you and your family, Steve, uh, with the hardships you guys have been through. Sadly enough, the, the, it's weird, life, work, life and God and, you know, the universe or whatever you believe in works in mysterious ways. The, the, the lady who plays my mom, so it's my mom and then the other girl that I meet. Um, not my mom, sorry, the girl's mom um, in the in, in Skirmerson or Sun Cry Moon. She sadly also two years after the movie came out uh, passed away um, due to cancer. Similarly, similarly. Oh, to, oh in the film. I did not the, know that. I had yes. I did not know her work, but I did know her work. I know how, I mean, she has just that presence of an exuding soul of wisdom and grace um and i was like i don't know where i've seen her before but i feel like i know her and what a break her her lines and that and the way she delivered them i did not know she had passed uh but how interesting that that being one of her last films uh is the way she uh departed that's a great leaving message of her writing in the sand if you would of some of her life work so wow absolutely remind me of her name again it's Elise Kaywood. Yeah, Elise Kaywood. Uh, many uh, of you probably have seen her in something because I, I, she's yeah. just got one of those character actresses, uh, wise things that would play somebody from. She looks like she could be a college professor buttoned yeah. up to somebody's wonderful grandmother or a, a wise lover from a senior couple that you watch the journey from the, yeah. the history of them together in a film kind of thing. <laughs> You're 100% right. She's almost got like a Francis McDormand gravitas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you're hundred percent right. I think she's done quite a bit of international work as well. So so viewers might might recognize her. And just to make it so a full circle, it's it's really weird. I think God God definitely might be saying hello because of your messages. This you know all the parallels and also the so the 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 girl who's the love interest. Get this. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna say something you didn't might have yeah might surprise even you with all your good research. She was a very good actress, like a brilliant actress. We actually went to school together in real life now, this actress and myself. She was a bit younger than I, but we went to school together. And then, and she was, she was like one of South Africa's or Afrikaans's, one of the only like sort of, if I can say in our small industry, child stars in parenthesis. So she did some work when she was young, but she was very uh, dedicated to her academic work. Anyways, she ended up studying medicine, and she stopped uh, acting 10 years later in real life. That is the girl that I was talking to you about earlier, who would be now my fiance. And Oh, yes, okay. I did life. not know that. I did not know that part. I was getting ready to say, guess what, PT? I did research that she was kind of in retirement of acting yes, and you kind of yes. looped her back in. I did not know that she was not your love interest. That that okay, is you got my... me on that one. I did not know so, that. <laughs> so so the fact that the fact that she is my was my girlfriend in real life, that it made the persuading to do one more acting part a bit oh, easier. I and see. she literally, we would she would be flying from like she would have a full uh, uh, night's call, um, 24 hours working in hospital. Then she would get be, 
go to the airport or be driven to the airport. She'd fly through to where we'd be shooting. So it was a crazy schedule. But when I wrote it, it was one of those things, again, like as you, we use the word spiritual and purpose-driven and something like it was organic. It, it felt like as I was writing it, the actresses, the actress, Elise Kaywood and my fian now fiancé, Annika Vedemann, it came to mind so vividly that I knew it was almost non-negotiable. It felt mm. like we can audition for this, but we, uh, and then as it moved along, I started writing for them with them in mind, because I knew these are the perfect people for the role. They're going to bring the authenticity and that rawness. It, 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 well, I did not know that piece, but it makes total sense now because the, the movie just fits together like a, a tapestry or an a, a organic puzzle of, you could tell that it was just, it, it felt literally like stepping into viewing someone's life in a virtual voyeur experience and almost feeling yeah. like you should turn your head a little bit like, oh my God, this is so yeah. intense and personal <laughs> because it was like so raw and real. And then the film, when it opens up, I mean, there's some scenes of you and it's also in the trailer that I think Noel was showing yeah. there earlier where you are like skin and bones, like the character, the pain that was exuding through you and what you were sharing in your voice, your yelling, your, and then your physical yeah. body, you had to really work to get, cause you don't normally look like this. I mean, you're a fit yeah. guy. You're it's not like you're a fat guy. You had to, yeah. yeah, but you, to get down, I think in us pound, I think it was like 30 pounds or so you yes. had to lose. So how yeah. did you realize that was so important for this scene or this character and this thing of doing the work for that. So, so, and I'm very glad we're doing a two part series, Steve, because I think we might dip into the, you know, some more of the mental health things in Absolutely. the, in the, in the, the second part. And just to touch on that now, on that side of it, um, it would be, I would sound like a, you know, there's not, I'm, I'm definitely not, this is not a cry for help being on this podcast. I'm so honored to be on this podcast. At the same time, I will be honest. So, the the um, the the amount of uh, mental mm, turmoil that OCD has put me through um, has been yeah it's it's almost like it's somebody once described it as it's like you start you are starting a trial you're in court you have a lifelong trial. And just before you start the trial, the judge says, listen, whatever you do, whatever happens here for the rest of your life, you are already found guilty. Let's mm. start the trial. So the, it's like a mental torture. It feels a bit like a prison at times, but I'm much better. I'm very happy and grateful to say. Uh, but I knew that inner torture, that inner pain can manifest in different ways. We know we've seen OCD being depicted on movies and in books and in life more stereotypically in ways like checking light switches or checking right. taps or checking car doors, which are all physical manifestations of how OCD can, you know, um, can present itself, but it can also be more subtle. And that those physical, physical compulsions are all a result of inner processes, you know? So I wanted to show in a very, because it's a visual media movies film, you know, I wanted, I, I knew that, okay, I'll be able to translate the inner turmoil in through the storyline, through the music, through the visuals. But just because we are also visual creatures, I know stop stopping eating or obsessing about what you put in your mouth is a is a certain way how OCD can manifest itself. If you have a, 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 a comp a obsession about you know, I shouldn't take in this amount of calories or whatever the irrational obsession might be. And I knew from the moment go, when the camera, when the first time you see this character, you must know something's not right. Wow, powerful, powerful stuff. Well, as you mentioned, we are definitely going to be doing a two-part series on this. There was just way too much content to cover. So we're going to have to be coming to a, an end of this segment in just a few minutes. And we are going to come back on the next show uh, in part two. And we're going to dig into on the mental challenges that are facing any of us out in the world today, then what can you do about it? it mm -hmm. It's it's one thing to visually know about what the pain is and to have, as as uh, PT was so uh, expressing so well, that people feel shame, um, people feel vulnerable, people feel like they're alone, uh, people feel like, um, you know, that they 
that it's being weak. If I, if I, you know, and that's very, very common in uh, also addiction. I, my wife specializes in the addiction space. She helps women with addiction and runs sober living houses for women. Uh, and she's been sober for 12 years and I've been sober wow. for 19. So wow. I know what, when I was going through my own alcoholism at its peak and I was still a functioning high level alcoholic of suit and tie and, you know, all of that stuff. But behind the scenes, I was feeling like my soul was just being chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and afraid who was going to know more about it before I could have my next drink uh, and still show up at the meeting the next day and make sure I was not too hungover to be able to perform in a way that I could still be a high level executive. So I did not have OCD, but I know that feeling of a shameness and feeling vulnerable and feeling alone. Uh, so having this these uh, mental challenges that we all have as human beings, it's part of the human condition. You cannot be on the planet and not have some kind of the, the thing that we term as weakness in society. That is our opportunity to yes. high, higher meaning, to higher Amen. purpose, to growth. So your film really brings that to light. Uh, and I wish we had more time to really keep going right now. But we, for sake of the listeners, we cut this up into two segments of shows. So, uh, And we were going to do a fun segment on something that we, our guests, if they've listened before and, and viewers, instantly interesting Instagram, but we've gotten so deep on these topics. We're also going to have to push that into segment two as well, PT, but that shows Definitely. some of the, uh, uh, some of the other things you do in your life with shows you've been on journeys you've taken trips, you've taken work that you do, but I want to come back, uh, for the listeners knowing that we're going to be coming back on this second show, talking about your craft as a business. How do you raise money for your, your, your vision project, whether you're running, you know, studying a tech startup or you're running an app or you're running a film? There is a process to making your dream come alive. And how do you stay focused on the tough days of staying focused on your dream and still making it materialize? And how do you take your own shame or pain and possibly turn that into a spotlight for greatness and for glory and for goodness for others? And I think that's what you, not I think, I know that's what you've done with this film and I know that's why we've met. So um, PT, do you have any closing thoughts on this segment? We're going to be back on a round two very, very soon. So just uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap this portion? No, I'd just like to say thank you so much, uh, Steve. I think uh, just to sort of rehash a cliche, there's that thing of turning your mess into your message. And uh, that's something that's sort of stuck with me. And uh, I hope with Sun Cry Moon, we can, we've managed a bit of that. I'm just appreciative of this space, this platform you and uh, your assistant, Noel, has provided me to engage and reach your audience is special to me. I feel honored here in South Africa, as a South African, to be able to connect with you so honestly. And uh, I really look forward to part two. I can't wait to see you all soon. Well, we are so glad you were here. And for those of you listening in and viewing in, Thank you for being here. If you've been enjoying what we have been talking about on this or other shows, please subscribe and uh, also leave a review. That helps get more word out to more people who might be able to take these great messages and do better in their own lives. So thank you again for being part of the Alchemy of Business. We will see you for the next round two with PT Buyers. Thank you very much. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.